Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. So this morning, um, you know what, I just, I really do just want to remind us that God is up to something and He is doing something really beautiful uh, at the moment, and there was some incredible ministry last week, and there's been some testimonies that are starting to come through about what God's been doing in these ministry moments, and it's just, it's so encouraging, you know, it's so encouraging to know that God's doing something, and we need Jesus, we each need Jesus in our world, that is the bottom line. Oh, Annette, it's so good to see you, hi, welcome this morning. It's so necessary we have this season that is happening in our church and don't, I just don't want you to miss it. I would love for you just to lean in and trust God with your lives in this space and what is it that he wants to do? What is it that he is doing? And, um, you know, he doesn't want us to leave the same way. He wants us to be ready for the change and the transformation that he wants to do in our lives because there is so much good in that. He loves us too much to leave us the same, right? That's what, it's, that's what I've heard that so many times, and it is true. He loves us too much to let us stay the same. And I just love the presence of God, and I just love that song. What a great song. We're going to sing it again a bit later. I want you to prepare yourselves for that right now, because we are on a journey for, with Jesus for greater freedom in our lives. We are on that, on that road, and it's a great road to be on. And I know that it's not just for our own benefit, but it's also for the benefit of all those around us and for this city and this country and every person who we will ever come into contact with will know that we have greater freedom and that is such a great thing to walk into. I have a story for you this morning. It's not my story, but uh, you might have heard this story before, but it will illustrate well what we're going to talk about today. A husband and his wife were in their kitchen. The husband was sitting at the kitchen table while his wife was preparing a ham for Christmas lunch. You can roll reverse if you want, that's fine. The husband watched the wife cut the ham off about one inch from either end of the ham. He asked why she cut the end off, proclaiming, that's a good waste of, that's a waste of good ham. She said, that's the way my mum prepared the ham. The husband asked, well, why did your mum prepare the ham like that? And the wife didn't know. Later, the wife called her mum to find out why she cuts the ends off the ham. And her mum said, well, because that's the way my mum always prepared the ham. Fair enough. The wife's grandma had passed away a little bit earlier, but her grandpa was still living. So she called her grandpa and asked her grandpa, Grandpa, why did grandma cut the ends off the ham? And he was silent and thought for a moment. And then he replied, so the ham could fit in the baking pan. <laughs> right? Have you, a few of you have heard that before. I could see Ruth nodding your head up there. And you can replace it with, I think there's one about a turkey. There's all sorts of things. But it's a great illustra- illustration because sometimes there are traditions that we carry on in our lives that we carry on beca- for, for no other reason except that we've always done them. And we don't really know why. But We just do them that way. Traditions are long-established customs or beliefs that are passed on from one generation to another. You know, we can have lots of personal traditions. 
I, mine seem to be centred around food. I'm not sure if that says something about me. But there are also little things, little traditions around food, of course. Like, who puts Vegemite in the cupboard? Show of hands. Who, you should eat Vegemite. If you're not true Australian, if you don't eat Vegemite. <laughs> who puts Vegemite in the fridge? Yeah, see? Right. Who puts tomato sauce? This is a more contentious issue. Who puts tomato sauce in the fridge? What about in the cupboard? I would prefer the cupboard. Ben prefers the fridge. He wins on that one. But chocolate, on the other hand, has to be in the cupboard. Has to be in the cupboard. Hands, Hands up. Who puts it in the fridge? No. Oh. You're killing me, people. You're killing me. In your stomach. <laughs> In your stomach. That's right. Uh, but I, we have some other great traditions that I remember, like um, going and having a roast at Ben's parents on a Sunday, uh, a Sunday afternoon. And that's such a great tradition that I loved and I have such fond memories of doing that with them and that was just a blessing to us and it was, you know, they would have people over to their house most Sundays to share that with. That was so good. I'd love for us to get back to that, Ben. That would be awesome. You can cook. It was your, it was your mum and dad, so it should be passed on to you, right? Yeah, yeah. Some people open their Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve and some people open them on Christmas morning. Um, some people gather for particular birthdays or in a particular way. And there's lots of different traditions that we have personally, right? And I'm sure you can think of heaps of traditions that you have in your family and probably some that you would like to pass on in your family or with your friends at later stage. That's great. We also have church and spiritual traditions that we do all the time. In church, we've got some great traditions. We had one this morning, sharing communion, which as Jess beautifully showed us, it was, it's such an incredibly important thing to pass down to our children and the way that we do that, why we do that. Um, we also have worshipping together as the body. We uh, stand to worship. We have baptisms a message from the Bible, tithing. These are all great traditions passed on because they're biblical traditions that we pass on from God, from his word. He shows us and we use them and do them in our day-to-day. But sometimes we forget why we're partaking in that particular tradition. Sometimes we just go through the motions, but there's no connection with the reason why. We just do it. And why we do this, I don't know. But we disconnect. We become disconnected from the why to the tradition. And we, in this case, therefore, disconnect some of these traditions from Jesus or from the Holy Spirit, God. We disconnect them from God. You know, we don't worship praise and worship. We worship Jesus. But if the singing of a song or the playing of a song takes more priority than doing what Jesus wants us to do, then we've started to value the tradition over Jesus. And that's not what we want to do. The traditions that we do as good Christians, we've all done them, 
can become disconnected from Jesus and therefore can become a trap keeping us from him. Let me explain a bit more. We get caught up in the doing of the right thing and forget that we are in a dynamic relationship with the King of Kings who wants to connect with us, but we are just doing the task. Has the tradition we value actually been disconnected and perhaps inadvertently from Jesus? If so, we need to reassess what we are doing and why, because it's God who gives us these traditions, and if they're disconnected from him, they mean nothing. So as you know, we're working our way through Mark at the moment, and we're going to find in this next section of Mark that we're going to talk about these traditions and this idea of when tradition becomes a trap, because we're going to see how tradition trapped the Pharisees and how it can trap us too. So... We're heading into chapter two. Hooray! We've gotten through chapter one. We're into chapter two. And remember, at the end of chapter one, we have had a man healed of leprosy. Jesus touched him, very taboo, healed him of the external and internal afflictions that he was cleansed from the inside out. He was then told not to tell anyone, to which he promptly ignored. He was trying to, and then Jesus was trying to escape the crowds and slipped off to the solitary place where he was found again anyway. So remember, Jesus has started his public ministry. He's starting to be known and heard about, and heard about, and the miracles and word about these miracles was starting to get out there. So that's kind of where we're at. Uh, so Mark chapter two, verse one to five says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum. The people heard he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by the four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son... Your sins are forgiven. There's heaps in this. So I just want to preempt right now. I am not even going to get to, son, your sins are forgiven. That is going to be happening next week. We're going to enter into that. I'm handballing that one. But we have, there's so much just in this little part. So um, in biblical times, there were heaps of traditions, okay, that they, that they were expected to adhere to, the Jewish people were expected to. There were law-driven traditions, such as bringing sacrifices to the temple. There were cultural traditions, such as what you ate and what you wore. Um, lots of traditions everywhere. But when Jesus came to earth, he began to shake some things up. He wanted to shake things up a little bit because he was showing people a new way of living, a new way of relating to the Father. And some of these traditions were not going to cut it because they weren't going to bring people into relationship with God. A few days later, this is what it says, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, which was like his hub, if you like. It was where he had kind of set up shop. It was his place where he sort of went from at Capernaum Capernaum in a part of Galilee. And that's where he was kind of gathering people together or people were gathering to him each time that he was around. So a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard he had come home. 
They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Today, we are going to shake up some traditional thinking, all right? We're going to shake it up. And for some of you, you'll already have this shaken up. That's great. For others, this might be, there might be some challenges in this, and that's great too. Just go with the Holy Spirit. It's traditional thinking number one that we're going to shake up is people only find Jesus in church. People only find Jesus in church. In biblical times, traditionally, the teacher taught in the synagogue. That's where they went to hear the word, to hear the Torah being read to them, to understand what it was that God was saying to them. All of those things, they went to the temple to hear the word from the teacher because that was the sacred place. That was what had been set up, which was great. They would listen. They would receive forgiveness for their, tin, for their tins there, for their tins, for their sins even. Um, and they would celebrate the Sabbath and all of those things would happen week to week. And the same goes for us today. Traditionally, we come to church on a Sunday to hear the word of God, right? That's what we do. There's nothing wrong with that. We are here to hear the word of God as the body of believers. Great. And I'm really glad that you're here today, whether you're online or in this room. That's awesome. So it makes sense that this is where we would bring people to find Jesus. Because hopefully Jesus is here. If Jesus is not here, we're in trouble, people. It's time to go home. But it makes sense. Because this is where we find we get a message of hope, a message of freedom and transformation and all of those things. So that's really great. In fact, we would encourage you to keep coming to the house of the Lord. It's a great, it is a great place for people to find Jesus. But the trap comes when we think that this is the only place where people can meet Jesus, where he can be found. Because actually the enemy would love you to think that. Because there's heaps of people who would never step foot in a church, even if you asked them a million times. And so those people are never going to come in here into this place to find Jesus. And so lots of people will not know him if that is the truth. But in this scripture, we see that actually it's not the temple that people are drawn to. It's Jesus. Jesus is the person that they were coming to see. Jesus was the place where people were gathering around. The people came to hear Jesus, to see what Jesus was doing. Not to the temple building, but to actually find Jesus. He drew them. The people were not looking to the lawgivers and to those in the past who had told them what to do and how to do it. He was attracting a large number of people, so many they couldn't fit in the house, um, as he began to break down the preconceptions about what it meant to be in relationship with God. This was a really big thing. Jesus made the teaching of the Torah full of life. He brought new life to, to the teachings that the people had heard for years that had been passed on from generation to generation. But there was something fresh about Jesus and the way that he brought the word to them. It was something that people wanted and could not get enough. Do you know what? Jesus is not confined to church on a Sunday. He's not confined to this place. Jesus is in each of us. 
And we have chosen to say yes. We've chosen to say yes to him at some point in our lives. We are all carriers of Christ. We are his ambassadors on earth to bring incredible hope and transformation and freedom to the people that we come into contact with. We don't need to wait until Sunday to find Jesus. He's already with us all the time. So our friends can experience Jesus through us all the time, every day. We should be attracting people because we've got Jesus in us. It should just be a byproduct of our relationship with him. Now, I'm not saying you need to be an extrovert and have like a massive party every week like I did yesterday because I'm a silly parent who decided to bring 20 10-year-old girls into our home. No, no, no. Don't do I don't recommend that, <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun. And I did have a little moment because it's probably the last little girl party we'll have. So that's a bit sad, right? But you don't have to do that. You don't have to be somebody that you're not. But what you will find is that people are just attracted to you because you have Jesus. So you don't need to be able to preach a message. You don't need to be able to bring out a three-point message on the Torah and um, preach the gospel and, you know, all of those sorts of things in some beautiful language that not even I have. You don't, you don't have to do that. You just have to be yourself and know that there is something in you. Because in 1 Peter 3.15, I'm reading it from the message, it says, through thick and thin, keep your hearts at, at attention in adoration before Christ your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. We all have a testimony to share. We all know him. And the reality is that the message we carry is too important to leave to one day in one place. We've got to take it out there with us. So this is, and this is another reason why we're focusing so heavily on table spaces, because it gives another opportunity for people to come and find Jesus in that place with you around a table to discuss these things. You might have known Jesus for a really long time, but you've had, but you need to extend your relationship with him or deepen your relationship with him, and you'll be encouraged in those spaces as a disciple to do that. We all have a testimony to share, and these spaces are where we can do that. But the idea that someone can only find Jesus on a Sunday is not true because every day they're meeting Jesus through you. What are you representing him as? It's important that we live our lives with that in mind. All right, we need to look at another one and I am scooting through this now. So traditional thinking number two, if I just do the right thing, I will encounter Jesus or I will find Jesus. So I do a devotion every morning, um, I, probably six out of seven days, let's be honest. There are some mornings I wake up and it's seven o'clock and I've got to rush the kids to the bus, so it doesn't always happen. But six out of seven days, I'll do my devotion in the morning. But there are some days where I get to about lunchtime and I think back to what I was doing and I'm like, did I do my devotion this morning? And I open up my Bible app and I have a look and I'm like, yes, I did. I don't remember anything about it. I need to uh, reread that at some point today because I just have done it. I'm just doing the task because it's the right thing to do, right? It's what I do. It's the right thing. And so I've ticked the box 
And I love Jesus, but there are things that I do for my spiritual growth that sometimes I just tick the box for without actually seeking Jesus. What? I hear the judgment. No. <laughs> Let me read from the word again. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. The people in this passage sought Jesus. They sought him. They gathered. There were so many people that they gathered around and couldn't fit in the building. They came from everywhere. They heard he was home and at the ch- at, and we know that this is where they wanted to be. There are things that we do in our daily and weekly lives that we can do without Jesus in our spiritual journey. I know, shock. Um, even if they are for that growth that we want. We can go to church, tick. We can sing a worship song, tick. Do a devotion, tick. Read the Bible, tick. Say grace at dinner, tick. We can attend a table space, tick. We can even pray, tick. Now believe me, I like a tick list as much as anybody else. They can be very helpful. But in our spiritual lives, if we just have a list of things that we're ticking off in our day or our week and not realize that the reason that we are doing these things is to connect with Jesus, then we have trapped ourselves in a false sense of duty or obligation and we are not free and fr- in this fresh sense of relationship with God. God's not after our tick list. He's after our hearts. And if our tick list is all we care about, then we've forgotten the main reason. We've forgotten Jesus. You know, we've all done it at some stage. And to be honest, there are some days where I have to position myself in the house of God on a Sunday because I know that I need Jesus and I don't feel like I've got Jesus in that moment. I know he's there. Don't worry. Bad theology. I know he's there. But there are some times where I have to position myself in the place where I'm giving myself an opportunity for God to invade my world, even though I don't feel like it, because if I stay home, I'm definitely not seeking Jesus in Netflix, right? But we need to ask ourselves, like the people in this passage of Scripture, are we seeking Jesus in the task? Are you coming to church to socialize or are you coming to church to seek Jesus? Are you coming? Are you reading the Bible because it's the right thing to do? Or are you reading the Bible because you want to meet Jesus? Why are you doing what you're doing? And sometimes this is not a message of condemnation, believe me. This is a message of reminder. This is a message of Jesus is too important to just tick him off. That could be taken in so many ways. <laughs> but Jesus is so important then just to tick the list to say, oh yeah, I connected with, no, I didn't. I did my devotion and I said words that sounded like a prayer at grace, but I didn't actually connect with Jesus. What am I doing in my world? These people wanted to hear. They weren't worried about that tra- any traditions in the moment. They just wanted more of Jesus. They didn't care if they were in the temple or not. They wanted more of Jesus. So what are we doing in our world that's encountering Jesus? And what are we doing in our world that is just ticking the box week to week, day to day? We gather to connect with Jesus here, around the table, whether we're doing a devotion, whether we're praying with our kids, whatever it might be. But let's not get trapped into thinking that that 
tick box is the best thing for us week in and week out. There is absolutely merit in showing up. Absolutely. And in sometimes in just doing the task because we need... But, no, let me just say this. There is merit in that. But if we're only doing it to do that, then we need to make sure that our heart's motivation is to connect with Jesus along the line. Because sometimes it takes just showing up for a bit before our heart starts to change. That's okay. So there's nothing wrong with doing it as long as our intention is to bring Jesus into that place and to encounter him in that place. Because I don't want to do the right thing. I do. But I don't want to do the right thing for no reason. I want to do what's best for my relationship with God and he will direct me in that path. Let's choose to do those things out of a dynamic love for Jesus, not just to tick the box. All right, I've got one more that I'm going to have to go because this is a good one and I really want to give it to you. So traditional thinking number three is I can only enter by the front door. So men came bringing uh, to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, um, to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man uh, on the mat that he was lying on. I remember years ago when I first came to Victory, I have so many beautiful memories of that. 22 years ago, I remember the day, I remember everything. Yeah, 22 years, it's a long time and there's lots of faces here. But one of the things, and I don't think he's in the building, Simon Ashley's not in here. One of the things that Simon and I did was ran this um, conference called Fusion in the, basically within the first year that I was here. And we had so much boldness and we went to foster and um, we went and we knocked on all the doors of the churches there and talked to the pastors. I was a 20-something-year-old with basically no training. But we went there and we said, we think it would be a good idea for you to give us all your young adults, all of your youth, for us to run a conference, a combined foster tongue curry, everyone there all together in one place. What do you think? And for some reason, they said yes. And we were bold and we marched through the streets and we prayed and we went into the school in the middle of the night and we prayed and we went to the high places and we declared the things that were, you know, oppressed, that they would be gone in Jesus' name. And I remember doing all of these things, being so bold and so courageous. And then life happened. And I don't feel like I'm that same person anymore sometimes. I still declare Jesus, but I have let the insecurities of life hold me back from that boldness where I just want to see people meet Jesus. And that's all we wanted to do in that moment. In fact, there are people here who were part of Fusion. Oh my gosh, so good. Because sometimes if I'm really honest, I'd prefer to enter by the front door. The tradition was to enter by the front door. But when you're dis- desperate for Jesus, when you're desperate for him to move, you are going to do everything you can, everything you can, by any means possible, to get in front of Jesus. You are going to lower your friend through the roof because you know that Jesus can heal. The boldness of these people in this passage blows me away. Who makes a hole in someone's roof that they don't know? 
peop these people would prefer to make a mess than miss the opportunity that God has put before them for their friend to be healed. Does that give you goosebumps? It gives me goosebumps. There was a lot of people and if they had waited to do things the right way and go through the front door, Jesus probably would have been done. He would have been gone. And they wouldn't have had that opportunity. He, they were there to shake things up because shaking things up shifts attention. There's no way that Jesus couldn't have noticed that there was a man coming right down on top of him in a house. Some scholars think it was actually Jesus' house. What do you need to shake up today? What have you been waiting for? That's been, you've been doing things the same way, the same thought, with the same thinking that it's going to change, that it's going to make a difference, but it's not seeming to work. What are you going to shake up today? Maybe you need to change the way that we're praying together. Maybe we need to do a devotion at night instead of in the morning, if you're like me, and sometimes halfway through the day you've forgotten what it was all about because you didn't give yourself enough time to just sit and listen. What have you been wanting to see a shift in? Maybe it's time to shake off apathy and walk in boldness. Maybe it's time to get a spring in your step and do something different. Maybe you've been sitting in the same place in church for so long, it's just where you sit, but it might be time. Sorry, Pastor Nate. Sorry, that means you guys too. <laughs> But maybe it's just time to shake things up, do something differently. Because when we do that, it makes us shift our attention. It makes us rethink things and reshape things, reorganize our brain, if you like, to say there's a different way of doing that. I don't have to get stuck in that traditional way, traditional way <laughs> that I've been doing it for ages. I can actually do something really different. Meet new people. Get out of a comfort zone. Join, join a table space. Shift our attention back to the one who we are desiring, Jesus. You know what? If your traditions are working, can I just say, go you. That's awesome. Keep going. Pass them on from generation to generation. Pass them on around the table space. Pass them on in the temple of God. Pass them on because that is awesome. We want to see that happening. But sometimes when we shift things and shake things up and go a different way, the result is something like this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And like I said, I'm not going there this week because that's like 70,000 more hours of things to say. I won't do that to you. Their faith healed the man. It saw them healed and set free because they entered by the roof. They just did something a little bit different. They chose to do it differently because they needed a prayer answered and they wanted to see something change. And sometimes we need to shake things up to see something shift in our world. You know, maybe you're here this morning and one of these traditional thinking statements has struck a chord. It's like, oh yeah, I do do that. Or maybe if you're honest, you just go through the motions of your spiritual growth and your development and your relationship with God and it's time to make a change. It's time to shake things up. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. 
You know, sometimes we come to this place of just going through the motions and ticking the boxes because we've been hurt or disappointed in the past. And so it's a protection mechanism. It's just what we do. Well, God hasn't answered my prayer. So I'll just do the right thing because I know he's real, but I don't really trust him with that thing. But I'll just, I'll go through the motions. And maybe there's some of you sitting here today that just need a breakthrough in that spot. You need to tear down some walls, break some chains this morning. Maybe you need to seek Jesus in the things that you're doing and step out in boldness and courage like me where we're willing to say yes again where we're willing to be like I'm I'm with you God whatever you say whatever you want me to do I'm saying yes I don't know that I've got the tools for it but I know you'll equip me I'm just gonna say yes and maybe there is a new tradition that you'd actually just like to start that's going to keep your world closer to Jesus Maybe you need to repent because you've forgotten that the most important thing is Him. All of these things, something might have just struck a chord. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au. 